Are you a woman, person of color, or a member of some other historically marginalized community who's sick and tired of shrinking to fit into spaces that weren't designed for you? If you're ready to surround yourself with people who think big and you want to get inspired by women who are bold enough to write their own rules, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Build Your Own Table podcast, where we spotlight powerhouse women who got tired of waiting for someone to give them a seat at the table, so they built their own. This is an inclusive space where you can come to listen, get inspired, and make some new connections to help you take that next step into living your best life. I'm your host, Nakia Gray. Welcome to the show. Okay, so I am so delighted to have one of my favorite clients here, Casey Cooper. Casey is, let me tell you, y'all are in for a treat because this one right here. Is as superstar as it gets, okay? And but yet she's so humble, and she just when I tell you know how to make a money and know how to get to the bag, that's Miss Casey, okay? <laughs> so let me first just briefly read your bio. Casey Cooper is the founder of the Compass Circle, a trucking company, and turned one truck into a five million dollar pipeline. We talking millions here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Casey now travels the world teaching woman-owned and minority companies how to do the same. Welcome, Ms. Casey Cooper. I am so delighted and honored that you would take time out of your busy schedule to talk to me and to share your entrepreneurial story. So first, let's just jump right in. Tell me, how did you even get started in the, in the trucking industry? Well, actually, before I say that, was that your first business? No, actually, I, I've been an entrepreneur now since I was 15. I started with vending machines. I was 15, and I had a set of vending machines that I put in a music studio. So I would go to Costco, BJ's Wholesale, and, you know, buy my stuff, maybe like $200 worth. I would stick it in the machine. And then every week I was making like about $400 a week. So you're talking about being 15, making money like that. And... To be honest with you, the thrill of going to pick my money up and I didn't have to be making it, like, girl, it kind of sent me on a path of, you know, most people are like, oh, I'm going to do a business. And we plan on working in that business because we either send our parents do it or that's just kind of the mindset, like, we have to do it. But since I was exposed to it so early, that got me thinking, like, I'm not going to be able to sit here and make this money. Like, I'm just not going to be poor. Uh, let's see. Skip fast forward to when I was about, like, 1920. I had a shoe store. And I loved going to like the showrooms and the shoe shows and picking out the shoes, but I gained weight sitting in the store all day. Mm. Where so, was your store, Casey? Where was your store? It was in Virginia Beach. It was okay. called Sugar Heels. Get it? Heels. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was very dope, like very Miami Art Deco for the time period. But just like I said, sitting in there, it won't go get me. <laughs> so that, you know, I closed that. And then shortly thereafter, I was like, okay, let me go back to not having to be the one to make the money. Because that, that's truly getting to the bag, right? Yeah, All that's the people that claim they're getting to the bag, but you hustling backwards and you're right. working 50, 11 million hours a week. That's not the real bag. The real bag is making the money without actually having to be in there doing the work, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, trading time for freedom is just something I'm just not willing to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I, you know, found that at a young age because it just kind of changed my mindset but I don't know one day I just had an epiphany like boom I'm just gonna buy a truck and of course you know how synchronicities work as soon as I thought of that idea 
I saw one lady driving a dump truck and I was like, boom, I'm going to do it. I'm a little bit more forward thinking than the average person. So I went ahead and got my permit before I even bought the truck. Because I was like, okay, if we get the truck, somebody's going to have to be able to move it at least. Thank God I did that because in typical entrepreneurial spirit, it didn't really go like I had planned it. I did have to end up driving. I drove for about four years on and off. Casey, so you, a little young, 20s, are you in your 20s at this time? I was was 25 when I got A little young, 20-something-year-old Casey is on the road driving a truck. Baby, I was on the road. I had that permit, and we got the truck. And when I got the truck, I had a guy, I just found a random guy, had him take me out over the weekend for like two hours on Sunday, Saturday, two hours on Sunday. And that Monday, I was hired, I hired him to ride with me to work. And I was doing that for probably a month or so until I got my license. And then I was, I'm little, but I'm fearless. And so I was out there. Wow. See, now I don't think I knew that part. I thought that you started this company and you were always in CEO mode, meaning you had people that were driving the truck. Mm-mm. No, I mean, originally the first person I did hire, he ended up living in my truck and it was a dump truck. So it wasn't even a tractor trailer that was meant for you to be living in. So when I went to the truck to like get his paperwork, I see all these clothes. I'm like, this is not going to work. And then he smelled really bad. And again, those trucks are not made to be living in. So I fired him, hired somebody else. I think the second guy I hired, he quit in the middle of the day, like 40 miles from where my truck was. And that pissed me off enough to where I was like, you know what? I'm going to just myself. And yeah, I drove off and on. I would hire guys, but if they didn't show up or, you know, I had gaps in between employees, I would just drive myself. So how were you getting jobs? How did you know where to go to get clients? So dump truck on the surface level is pretty, you know, all the truckers work the same job. Okay. But what I didn't know then that I know now is it's it's construction based. So anywhere there's building, the first thing that's got to happen is somebody's got to go in, clear the trees or clear the soil or clear the dirt and level the land. So if I had to know then what I know now, I probably would have 50 dump trucks probably. Thank God it didn't happen that way. But all the same companies are winning these jobs through Department of Transportation. And so there's only so many people who can facilitate a $60 million project for BDOT. It's just just the name of the game. So a lot of these companies get in early. The dad passes it down to the son, who passes it down to the grandson. And then you look up and 40 years has gone by, 50 years, 60 years, and it's a $100 million company. And the grandson's running it. And all the truckers are subbing to those primes. And it's the it's step and repeat. It's the same thing. Wow. So all the truckers flock to the same job. We just don't. And at that time, I didn't typically have the know-how or have the information to find the work you know, and do what the, do the jobs ourselves. Yeah. I have to tell you a fun fact. So when I was in law school, my second summer, so every year that I was in law school, I wanted to get a different experience because I didn't know what I wanted to do when I got out. So my first summer, I worked at like a really large firm. I knew within the first week that was not for me. They worked way too hard. It was boring. I absolutely hated it. My second summer, I worked for the government at the Department of Transportation. And I worked in the minority business office where that's where the attorneys were. And they were approving 
the um, the 8A um, certifications and all of the minority business designations and doing that's where the government contracts were running through there. So I learned that I'll tell you to be honest, I didn't know a lot about transportation, but in there, seeing those contracts and things coming across my desk, I was like, what? Whoa. Yeah. So then when I met you, and I love, I, I literally sometimes just like binge watch your content because you just give very good content in that you are explaining to us, because most of us don't really understand how the transportation industry works. But when I hear you say things like, this is an end, you want to talk about recession proof. This okay. ain't going it nowhere. Nowhere. Our kids, grandkids, kids, kids, kids are right. going to have, because in- it's a fundamental part of commerce i mean it's the thing it's not like oh everybody's like metaverse ai baby we still gonna need plumbers we still gonna need truckers we still gonna need roofers so like don't overstep the trade for just plain old service yes 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 so that all makes sense to me how you have built this five million dollar company well nakia now we're probably at around 10 million You know, I'm just saying that was a couple of years ago. Me, honey, let me get it correct. Things have changed. Wow. We're probably about close to 10 million in our pipeline now. Wow. Yeah. And is that, so how many, that's from your own fleet of trucks? That's my own fleet. That's my clients. We branched out into like, I would say three main areas. I'm heavy on the digital now because of course, you know, people want the information. And I'm so good with the content. My content is like unmatched. And I'm not saying that. I know. Casey will have you. I don't care what your industry is. Because Casey and I, our industries are completely different. But she be having me like, oh, let me get my, let me get my little stuff. My tripod at. Let me get my life. Let me tell you. When this lady steps on the scene. And that's what I, I can just tell you're just a hustler like that. Everything that you do, you're going to do to 110 or not at all. Right. What's your sign? Virgo. Come on now. I should have not. Come on now. Because everything is on 1,000. You're oh. on 1,000 at all times. At all times. And really, to be honest, at this point, Nikki, and we probably can get to that a little later, it's not even difficult as one may think that it is. Yeah. I just have a knack for project management and, and being multifaceted, as many of us do. It's not really as hard as it seems. You just got to work hard at working smart, period. Right. And that's the key. So talk to us more about that. So how how does that light bulb come on and how does one do that? Right. Because we can have we can be very successful in whatever it is that we start, whatever our trade is, whatever our profession is, whatever our services are. But to me, your success is in your ability to take it to that next level. Right. Like you were able to say, okay, I've done this. I've conquered it. I know it. I got the blueprint. Now, let me package. That's your IP. Right. That's your IP. You know how to create a successful trucking business. Yeah. You know that like with your eyes closed, you could do it. Yeah. So how did you make the transition to say, okay, now that I know how to do it, I'm going to teach other people how to do it. And and really what I love about your program, the turnkey program, I want you to talk about it is you're, you literally are doing all the legwork for people and you're handing them a trucking business in a box. Talk to us about turnkey trucking. So the first thing I had, I had to get out of my own way. So like we have these visions of grandeur and getting to our next level and what that looks like. But in reality, you don't really know what it looks like because you haven't been there yet. Mm-hmm. All you really have is what you think it looks like. And what we see nine times out of 10, it's more like, okay, I'm going to an office. I'm wearing a blazer. Um, I'm having these meetings in conference room. I need a secretary. I was thinking all the like 
status quo stuff, right? When in reality, the most money I've ever made comes in, in ease and I work from home and the staff is remote. So that keeps down the overhead. Yeah. So I would say the first thing is just getting out of my way. Yeah. I was so driven to care on it had to look this way. Yeah. I need an office. I needed this. I needed that. I was just so driven on that that I didn't even consider it could be done another way. And it's funny to say, but in hindsight, that was my problem. Yeah. I was so busy thinking that I, I knew what it looked like and I was going to make 20 million and all that kind of stuff. When again, in reality, that just was not how it happened for me. I think secondly is you have got to, and you know this, you got to delegate. Like Eric, there are very few problems that I solve myself. Right. Amongst my staff on a daily basis. Because if I get an email or if I get a text, I sh I'm, I'm constantly shooting it out to the next person. Whose job is it to do this? That's right. the first so, thing. David, guess what? It ain't mine. It's not my job no more. I'm not doing it. A, a lot of times, and especially I would say like my first seven years in business, I was going to get parts. I was the mechanic. I was greasing the truck. I was driving the truck. I was <laughs> doing the taxes. I was getting all the receipts. I was hiring the drivers. I was firing. You cannot be successful if all day long you're putting out fires and you ain't even no fireman. So I think once I kind of got clear of those kind of misconceptions and I really started putting people, capable people, because you don't need a lot of people, you need the right people. Yeah. You need people who are um, problem solvers and self-starters. My staff, I don't have to tell anybody what to do ever. And so what that looks like in real time is because we're so tight knit and we're so fire. If I hire somebody new and they're not up to par, they're out the door immediately because they stick out like a sore thumb right. because we're so productive. Yeah. And I would also say, I don't micromanage my staff. Like my staff are professionals in their own right. So I shouldn't be having to tell you what to do. And I feel like we spend a lot of time because we're just lucky to have somebody doing it for us, right? But you got to have the right people. I can't tell you how many times my staff comes to me with stuff that I'm like, girl, how do you know that? Like, I, that, that's not even something that I asked you to go do. They are just, they're going to go look and go find because they enjoy working for me. And so with that being said, you can't be overbearing to people. You can't micromanage people. You have to pay people. But well. that defeats the purpose of hiring them if you're going to be in everything. Right. And if you hire the right person, they're going to get a certain type of enjoyment from doing what they do um, and doing it well and not being micromanaged. You know what I mean? So a lot of times this one girl on my staff in particular she just, oh my God, she's always coming up with little stuff. And well, on this day, we had this many clients. And I don't know what we did. I don't know what the digital marketing department did on this day, but you might want to look. I mean, she's just constantly, but even with that, she has staff under her. So she's not bogged down with workload all day. I think we get so caught in just work, 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 work. If you go to Europe, they're not going to work until 11 o'clock. And guess what? They off by seven. Because in the morning, they're going to sit out on the patio or whatever cafe, and they're going to have that tea and that leche, okay? Absolutely. It's and just scary. We, we just like to just work for no reason. Like, what have you been said? And I say to people, this is one thing that I say, and I, I t talk a lot about this, the importance of mindset, right? We have been trained to hustle hard, grind. You got, if you don't work, you ain't going to get paid. You got to show up. You got to do yeah. this. You truly want to generate wealth, generational wealth, and build your business. We got to spend some time unlearning the stuff that people have taught us because that's not true. And sometimes it'll be so easy. I have made money in that way, especially in digital products. When I when I really look at that and I and I sit and I feel like almost guilty, like, dang, I just made this. I'm sitting at right. 
Don't feel guilty, baby, because you deserve it. Definitely. I mean, girl, I remember a point where we were talking about Turkey in particular, like started blowing up, right? And at that particular time, I was doing a lot of it myself because I felt like I know this better than anybody. And did it. I don't want, like I felt I can still feel it now, but tangible feeling of not wanting to give up that control yes. when I was expanding. I think we all go through that. And you and the truth is you ain't as good as you think you are. OK, so back up and let somebody else do it. And here's the thing. When you're scaling, I tell people this all the time, especially like other people on social media that are in the trucking space that want to grow. You're not going to be able to scale in. OK, you got 30 clients. OK, what happens when you get 300? You're not going to be able to touch every person and make fun and do all this. It's fine when you're first starting, but that's just, that's not efficient. You're not going to be able to do it. So I had to really let go of all of that and unlearn what I thought I knew and then really just start to see, like step back, like you said, and look at everything. And then to uh, ed education, like I went to a, I want a scholarship for, and this is through getting your certifications and all that kind of stuff. Everybody's state has, you know, local procurement and SCORE and PTAC and all this stuff. Um, but they also have other kind of more specific programs to that state. I was signing up for everything to hear. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate enough to, win a scholarship for two weeks to, it was either George Mason or James Madison, George Mason, one of them. Um, I won a scholarship to their business program for two weeks. And what you had to do was you had to go up there to the school, you check in the business dorms and Department of Transportation was having a project management institute for transportation. So I didn't really know what I was going for. I just knew, okay, I'm in transportation. And I won this scholarship. So let me go up here and see what's going on. Because my only thing I wanted to know was, where is the money coming from? Right. So here I am, only Black girl, only business owner. And I'm sitting in the class with engineers from VDOT and the commissioner and the deputy clerk and all these people from VDOT. And they are actually the people who, when you're on the street driving, they put a light right here. They make a right turn here. Mm -hmm. They put a roundabout here. Nobody ever thinks. Hmm, this street that I drive on every day, how is it designed? Nobody cares. Nobody thinks right. that. But that's what, you know, they were talking about. And so they go into different skill sets, leadership, and just, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because of course, you know, you got to get, you know, the people in place, right? And so that got me thinking about my own drivers and who I needed to let go and who needed to stay and kind of how I needed to tighten up, you know, that ship. And at the time, there was one, one guy I had in particular, I was sitting there every day like, oh, I got to fire his ass when I get back. Like, he got to go. But again, the part of me was so happy to have somebody showing up every day. I was exhausted putting out the fires that he was causing, but I was also too scared to let him go, knowing that he was a detriment. And it's just, it's a vicious cycle, right? So that's one piece I learned. And then also, lo and behold, you got to follow the money trail. We get in all of these businesses, right? Whether it's real estate, restaurants, medicine, transportation, hair, you know, hair, whatever. But we never go and look at where our customers coming from. Right. You're not going to be able to go door to door. I mean, you can, but I don't recommend it. <laughs> and you're going to have to find out who's buying what you're selling. And so this particular transportation institute, it was from 8 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. You had to commit to being there, which meant if you had a job or you had something else going on, you had, I had to drive two hours away, Monday through Friday. I had to be in that classroom from 8 in the morning to 10 at night. Then they gave us a project to do after work, I mean, after class, in groups. And mind you, I'm not an engineer. I'm just sitting there to figure out where the money is. So I'm going to class every day, and they cover different, you know, topics. But when we got to the federal side, 
I, 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 I seen the money in the kids. <laughs> I seen the money, right? And that was really all I was there for. So at the end of the program, we had to basically come up with a mock um, situation where we had to go develop this land and we had to put our own streets in. And then we had to go before a panel of commissioners and all these people in Department of Transportation and, and pretty much problem solve and tell them how we were going to make this project work. So because they knew I didn't know about this stuff, they had quizzed me and trained me and gave me a script on one particular, this, this is what you say. When they ask you, this is what you say. And I was like, okay, cool. And I'm glad I was listening because when we got up to do our presentation, they didn't even ask me that question. And so I know what it was, or, but I heard somebody say it in the group before and I said what they said and they were like, okay. And that was the right answer. So even though I didn't have all the tools, right. I was able to, you know, glean enough that we didn't look crazy in front of these people. But here's and what you did. You put yourself in position. Put myself in Sometimes we, we overcomplicate it by thinking we don't know enough. Well, they're engineers. I'm not an engineer. I'm not going to know. And we talk ourselves out of things. Sometimes just get in the room, baby. You all you need to do is get in the room and you can you figure the rest of it out. I tell people this every day. And so even to this day, I can call the deputy clerk or commissioner or whoever in VDOT right now to do anything for me because they remember the sassy black girl that was, you know, in the class. And that's a relationship I can still call on, not to mention, it taught me where the money is. The federal government is giving it on the state side, federal side, no matter where it is, local. And it's endless. Okay. It's endless. It's endless. <laughs> that's, it's how endless. that's how I was sitting in that, in that office. I mean, you're talking about $400, $500 million projects where even if, again, the, the average person walking around is not going to be able to facilitate building a bridge, but that's okay because 20% of that or 30% of that or some places like Tennessee or, you know, other kind of more urban areas, the minority participation goes like 40%. That's damn near half. So even if you get on a job, let's say a transportation job, like I've done thousands of times, hauling in just bricks, hauling in just steel beams, hauling in just crane mats that the bulldozers have to sit on. That project is going to last you anywhere from one to four or five years. You're not going to have to dispatch every day. It's going to pay well. Your drivers are going to be happy. And typically, you're going to be able to see your truck every day. So you can kind of put your eyes on it. Yeah. Um, because if you let these guys go three months, child, by the time you come back, your, your bumper going to be a whole nother Well, part. you had somebody living in one of yours. So, I mean. Nikki, I done had several situations over the last 20 years like please what please I'm so I have to ask you this you and I've had this conversation before and um I think this way you think this way but not everybody thinks this way so you are a successful trucking business owner why would you create new businesses because aren't they your competition why 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 would you create a turnkey trucking program those are people that are now going to get jobs that would come from you. Is that true? Or what no. would you say to that? I don't have any competition. I, any, anything. I don't have no competition nowhere because first of all, I'm the only me. And when you really step into that bag, it, I could give you the exact recipe, as could you. You're not going to do it how I'm going to do it. You're, you don't have my gifts and my talents. You also don't have my God-given favor. So I could walk in the room and just because of who I am and the energy I possess, I might be able to get an opportunity just because of the way I carry myself. You might not be able to do that. And to be honest, this, <laughs> this endless bag of money ain't going nowhere. We don't even have enough women. There's no way we could, all, we could consume it. So why try? It's only like 
less than 400,000 women-owned companies in the world, period. It's 8 billion people on the planet. So just the numbers are going to always tell you right. what it looks like. We don't even have enough people that are government contractors to do enough of the work, which is why we end up doing other stuff. We end up getting into snow removal. We end up getting into construction. We end up getting into other things because there's a need. But every day people bypass it every single day. And it's, it's really unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I say that, you know, sometimes I have clients that when they, they're getting to that space and they're trying to think of, you know, tired of doing the one-on-one or trying to figure out what is it to do. And I say, well, you know, teaching, <laughs> coaching, mentoring, giving people the blueprint, you have the IP, let's package that. And, and your income is going to quadruple. Oh my God. And sometimes I'm met with resistance where people say, well, isn't that killing the competition? Isn't I creating competition for myself? No. How many R&B singers, how many rappers are there? Like that's the mindset. And to be honest with you, that's why I don't do one-on-one coaching no more because I found myself, instead of coaching, I was encouraging people and if you need to be encouraged, you're not my ideal client. Right. And that's not a dig at anybody. Like, I'm not Ayala Von Zant. I'm not here to teach you how to breathe. Can't fix their life. <laughs> I can't fix your life. I can tell you where to get some money from, but I can't fix your life. So you got to come over here when you really want it and you can get up every day and go get it or try to go get it. I don't, I, I can't work with people that, you know, I got to make you want it. And I, that's not what I'm here to do. So I stopped doing one-on-one coaching like two years ago because it's just. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's it a little weird. <laughs> I do. I do. I absolutely do know. And and I represent a lot of coaches. And so I see the legal side of that. Oh my God. And the- or, you know, you don't follow directions. So now you mad at me. I got 200 other people in my program. I got to help, sir. I can't give you as much time as I could four years ago. I just, it's just not possible. But, you know, with everything, there's two sides of the coin. Right. Um, but I'm just happy to be here doing the work and making a difference, you know? Let's talk about that because so... so- you know, there's there's lots to share on the success side and things going up, yep. but it ain't always like that, right? Like so that. if you had to share with people who are either aspiring entrepreneurs or either new in their business or sitting here um, listening to you and say, I want that, I want that $5 million business, I want that $10 million business. What are some of the not so pretty sides of being an entrepreneur would you say they need to prepare for? Okay, so. I'm going to talk about it on two different sides. One from the like straight up service side. And then like if you branch on to like, you know, influence and all that stuff. On the straight up business service provider side, whenever you put yourself in a situation where you are a sub um, or you're getting paid from somebody, like you're not the one getting the actual money first, there's always a chance that somebody could not pay. I've had that happen. And one year I lost, Nakia, no lie, I lost about $400,000. Because one person didn't pay me, another person didn't pay me. And then I had a big financial deal fall through. And it was a systematic domino effect. All I could do was watch it and pray. It was like nothing I could do. So that's the downside to doing business, especially if you're a sub or, you know, you're waiting to get paid or people can screw you over. There are actually companies out here. Everybody's not good. They're bad. I mean, there are companies out here that know that they are so big. They go get these big jobs and they know that you're the little guy or you're the, you know, minority company. And they will set up company A, who's the prime, and then they'll set up company B, right? Now, you're company C. So company A will pay company B, who's supposed to pay company C, and they won't pay them. And there's no correlation between A and C. A and C. And there's nothing you can do. And there's nothing you can do. And then people do it. It was done to me. Now, I ended up getting my money probably two years later. And this was a big federal contracting company. And when I talked to the government about it, they said, we know they do this. 
But because they're so good and they service our needs, it's really nothing we can do. That's your problem, not mine. Basically. That's your problem, not mine. I did end up getting paid. Like I said, it was two years later after I got myself together and it could, you know, I could afford to litigate. But hell, that was 700 days later. You know, you know how much hell I went through with two little kids by myself, you know, at that time. So that happens. And then on the flip side, when you're the face of your brand and it's you, everybody's seeing and it's your videos and it's your stuff and it's your thoughts, people get very weird. You can just put out some media and a person will be at home on their couch watching you and get a reaction, good, bad, indifferent, or otherwise. And then they want to get on a call with you just because it's like something you said stirred something inside of them and they just want to get on the call with you. And for whatever reason, and I mean, Nikia, you know, we've had this happen. It could be they don't follow instructions or they don't read stuff because clients always want you to tell it to them out of their mouth. I've spent two years on Turnkey. You know, we've got videos and we've got um, waivers and all kind of stuff in place. Free consultations on the website. Solid contracts drafted by your attorney. Right. And people will still call in and say, well, I want to talk to her. I want to hear from her. I don't have the time or energy to sit on the phone with you every day and spit out the same stuff I done told 59 other people and I'm not doing it. So people also are upset about that also or because they don't read. If you spend $5,000 or $3,000 or whatever you spend on anything, you shouldn't be reading the packet that comes along with it. But because we're so used to just trying to figure it out and then you miss stuff. So that happens too. I've also had a situation where I'm a heavy believer in DA. If you deal with me, you're going to find an NDA. Because I hired a girl one time. She was a mother of three, single girl. And we met. She actually scheduled a consultation with me. So sometimes, not a lot, but I, in the past, I've, I've had consultations with people. And I can identify a gift they have. And so it might not happen right away. Or in some kind of way, we end up working together. Whether I hire them or whatever. Well, she came on to work with me. And we worked for a while. She lived in another state and I lived in another state. So I ended up having a, a class in her state. She came to the class and like a hundred people showed up to this class where I was only expecting like 10, right? When she saw the outpouring and the people coming, and I mean, I seen it in her face. She was in awe, like I seen it. Now, mind you, I got a hundred people here, so I can't stop and deal with her. But I saw that she was like amazed. And I was like, okay, cool. So we started working. And as we started working, I started growing. My business started growing. and I'll never forget, I went to California to do an event. And while I was in transit, she went ghost, like just disappeared. And now, mind you, my company is growing like crazy fast. So I'm meeting her to fill in the gaps for me because A, I'm traveling and B, I'm on a whole nother time zone. And C, I need you to keep up pace with what's going on. She disappeared. So me being the Virgo I am, I hired two other companies to fill in the gaps. But mind you, they're new, so they have a learning curve. So when she finally popped up three days later, she was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I was so sick. Um, you know, I was just so sick. I couldn't talk. And I was like, well, why didn't you have one of your daughters call me? Why didn't you have somebody call me? Because I was familiar with her, you know, her children, because I would see them on FaceTime. And she kind of gave me this dumb answer. But anyways, I was going to fire her. But me, me and the Virgo, I'm like, let me get her to help these two other companies catch up to speed right. and kind of, um, you know, just show them the ins and outs. And I'll deal with her at the end of the week. So the end of the week came and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to fire her, but I am going to demote her because again, I was paying her so well. She's making $12 an hour when I met her. I was paying her $1,500 a week. And so $1,500 a week for somebody who just started with you and who's got three kids and you don't got to leave your house, you making a decent wage. Right. So I also think I gave her too much too fast and she got used to it and she felt like my success was her success. 
Right. And so the end of the week came and I said, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I was going to fire you, but I'm not going to fire you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to demote your pay. And if you want to keep up what you've been making, your, your, pro- your productivity is going to have to, it's going to have to rise. So you can still make it, but you're going to have to output a little bit more to get what you want. That was the conversation. She never rebuttaled. She never said anything bad. She went on my website. She erased my whole homepage, put all this slander on my homepage. AC! She went on my CRM because she had access to my, you know, my emails and stuff. She went to my entire CRM of all my clients I had. And about, probably back then, I probably had like three about. She emailed them all, um, all this negative stuff about me. And now here I am trying to help you out. You, you do me dirty, Nakia. You, what, what job can you no call no show and expect to just come back and make the same money? Right. And here's the thing. You didn't negotiate. You didn't say anything. We didn't have an argument. We didn't have nothing. Now, mind you, on this particular day, I'm in my kitchen. I have my video crew at my house because I'm about to go upstairs and do some content, you know, do make video. And my graphic designer called me and she said, what is this on your website? And I was like, what you talking about? She said, I said, what website? You talking about my, you know, what are you talking about? So she told me. And I said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Send me a picture. When she sent me the picture, the girl had, girl, it's just like if somebody erases your whole website and just writes all over in red ink. So I had, oh, oh, my God. had my digital guy over at the time. He immediately went in and fixed it back. But while I'm filming, I'm getting texts from my clients and they're like, hey, so now she sent the emails. Now she sent the emails. And she, she not only sent, she didn't send all 3,000 at once. She sent like 10 at a time. So what she did was, my clients who had spent the most money, she sent them all one first. And then the next day she sent some more. And then in the weeks to come, she sent oh, more. And it was just like, so I had to send paperwork because you know me, baby. I ain't gonna argue with you online, but but I keep four. I don't know why people don't. I have four attorneys at all times. One for different things. So I ain't never like, you know, scared to what's no move. Like my lawyers, they answered the phone for me. Like this is, yeah. this is Jet Magazine. Like we're ready. <laughs> Um, since her all that, it was a big ordeal. And then to finally um, terminate her access because she had access to different things that I didn't even know she had access to. And just over the course of weeks and months, just discovering what she had access to. So NDAs, and I would definitely say access to your internal stuff. And if having you know, an SOP for how we handle letting go someone. Even for me, like I have a, a general inquiry email, but like stuff that's personal to the business, like stuff me and you may discuss, it does not go on that email because it ain't nobody's business but mine, what's going on or whatever. So just little stuff like that. You don't really know people will burn. You don't know how far a person will go to burn you. And then here's the thing. Once it's done, it's done. Even though I send you a, you know, cease letter, the damage is still done. Like (laughs) I can't go back and luckily I didn't lose any clients because at that time. They already knew who you were, right? They already knew who I was. They already knew who you were and they, you know, a lot. But but you're right. Sometimes people they're proud or they see you and they're they're happy, but inside there's a part of them that's like, why it's love I... and hate. It's love and hate. Love they it. love you, but they hate you because they ain't you. When in reality, you ain't you can be me if you was me. Like, and that's not that's so not be you. Be you. I mean, and here's the thing: she could be her, and look at how good she really was because she got never for me to hire. To hire her, double her salary, <laughs> okay? Who does that? Like, who does that? Who does that? Who does so that? She was, she was just fine being in her own lane and being her. She's fine. And then, like, I would catch her, like, on different social media platforms. You know, like, in your phone, if you're on a different social media platform, it's going to show you yep. who's already in your phone. So, like, I would see her on TikTok. 
and she's trying to talk about government contracts. Baby, you ain't never had a government contract. So how are you going to talk to somebody about it? You ain't never been in transportation. So like, I get it. This looks good on me because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I get that. But you ain't me. And really, to be honest, you couldn't survive the hell I went through to get here. Frank, you don't want these scars, okay? You don't want these scars. I dress it up real well and I've done my shadow work. But baby, you couldn't survive the hell I went through. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, right. Right. I earned these stripes and these scars. So it's like, girl, people just weird. Like, peer point blank, they just weird. So, I mean, it, it's, I, w- I will say the positive has totally outweighed the negative. Yeah. Um, and then, this is, this is something that I'm getting used to. I also don't like when I'm somewhere and somebody recognizes that I'm, and, then like, I'm, and I'm nowhere near on your level in terms of, you know, popularity, following. But honey, that is very weird. And, and even my family, my husband will be at the gym and somebody goes, oh, you're Nakia's husband. He's like, wait, what? Well, that I, is very, that, that for sure. That for sure. I'm a woman of a certain age. I'm, I'm not 20. I'll be 42 on Sunday. So like I'm past the want to be known. And like, I re- I'm here for the, I'm not here for the fame. And so when you're somewhere, especially like if you coming from the gym and you're not made up or you just ain't in that mode, because, you know, you can jump in and jump out, you know, when, yeah. when you want to be on it, you want it. But if I'm in FedEx with my kids and p- people will be like, ain't you uh or what's your name? And I'd be like, well, what's your name? And they'll be like, ain't you such and such a, such a sir? Ha- I always say, honey knows me. And people are like, really? But I'm not, I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, now if I'm at an event and that's what I'm there to do, cool. But like, I don't want to, I never forget I was in Houston. This is a couple months ago. And I was at a karaoke bar. I always go to karaoke bars. Like people ain't at karaoke bars, right? Right. When think, I mean, it's like 12 people and we all want to sing. I'm at the bar and this girl goes, um, take your shades down for a minute. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> ain't you, uh, and I'm like, yeah, that's me. She's like, yeah, that is you. And then she goes, so yeah, so what you got? So what's next for you? Ma'am, I was not doing no interviews today. Right. I don't know what you got. I'm to just do. trying to get my karaoke on. I'm just trying to sing Mary J, okay? And then she goes, I said, I'm doing it. And she goes, no, I mean, like, what's next for you? I said, I'm doing it. This is what's next for me. I'm, a, right. I'm doing what I want to do when I want to do it. And she said, oh. And, like, she probably thought, like, damn, she's a bitch. But I didn't, I wasn't there for that. And, right. like, really, you infringing on my time. So, like, girl. Boundaries, people. Boundaries. Boundaries. I don't like that at all. And it's only going to get worse with this new project I'm working on. I don't like that at all, especially like if I'm out with my kids. I've been out to restaurants, fine restaurants with my friends. And the the bartenders will um, either email me when I leave and say, hey, I was the one that waited on you. Can you help me with trucking? Or I never forget that Ruth Chris right the street and the bartender in there. He's seen me a few times over the years. So like he doesn't really count as much. But he was like, yeah, so I was reading your story and um. I think it's really nice what you're doing. And my girlfriend was sitting next to me. She said, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that. You know, but I mean, he, I had a little bit more rapport with, but I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that. That, that is, and, and I know, I, I, I totally know. It, it catches me off guard yeah. a lot. It catches me off guard a lot. Um, so the, uh, the last thing I want you to talk about, one of the, another thing that I just admire about you is, I love how you are unapologetically building a legacy for your kids. I love you. I don't even want to know how much I cried when you shower your mom and oh, your God. kids with experiences and yes. this luxurious life. Yes. I think that we as black women yeah. have not been given permission 
to, yeah. to live that, right? Like we got to be, oh, we're being bougie, but no, these are choices that we are making to live a life and to experience luxury. So tell me how important that is for you and the legacy that you're leaving for your kids. It's important to me because first of all, I'm a woman, right? And I have a daughter. And so I remember, even though my mom, her path wasn't necessarily mine, I remember being younger and just seeing her getting her hair done and her nails done and dressing up nice. So I'm glad I had that because some women don't have that, right? But when I was going through my really financial hardships, I would feel guilty in the kid for buying myself anything, especially like after I had kids. And so what I started saying to myself was, every day you're going to buy yourself at least two things. It doesn't matter if it's large, medium, small. If it's, um, you know how they have little knickknacks in the beauty supply store? Yeah. As always, something in the beauty supply store, you buy a keychain, <laughs> some lip gloss. So I worked my way up. And it's funny now because now I'm at this level, right? Where like I'm buying a plane and all this kind of stuff. But I had to work my way up. Even now, I tell people this all the time. Just because you make money doesn't mean that you're willing to spend it. Right. And so it's a little bit different now because more money you make, you, you got to spend some to like offset and all that, you know, all that. But I'm not going to be last on my list. In right. fact, I'm going to be first. Okay. And you should be. And, and you, you should, should be. be. I am the captain of this ship. And they tell you, everybody says this, on the plane, you got to put your own mask on first or what? Everybody's going to die. Yes. So if I'm not filled up, if I'm not happy, if I'm not whole, if I'm not healed, if I don't have joy, nobody around me is going to, it's just not going to work. So I am first and foremost in my life. I buy myself stuff all the time. I buy other people stuff all the time. Um, I do have a certain standard of living and that's just because I'm going to give myself the very best. And it took me 42 years to not even financially be able to do it, to resolve it in my heart that this is who I am. It's okay. And and you deserve it. You are worthy of this this lifestyle. And even with that, like, it's a standard because do I always have to fly private? No, but I am because that's just what I'm doing. And then, like, you know, sometimes when you get money and you're not used to having money, it's like, damn, do I really got, maybe I shouldn't. (laughs) But I don't even play with myself like that no more. Like, I don't spend a lot of time second guessing because this is just my standard and this is what it is. And I'm going to figure out a way to right. make it just be what it is because that's what I'm on. Like I tell people all the time, this is what I'm on. You buy a plane? Yes, that's what I'm on. If you can't believe it, please get out of my way because my pilot about to come pick me up. I don't have time for this. Like <laughs> I have to be my cheerleader. If I'm that's not, who else going to do it? I mean, people, bro, people just are not happy with themselves and they want you. And to, they will project that. On they you. will project that on you. So it's to the point now in the key where realistically, and this is real talk, I don't have no drama in my life. Like none. I don't have people coming to me gossiping. Ain't nobody telling me who don't like me. I feel like I'm at this level to where a lot of, this is not a money thing, like just a spiritual, emotional level where I keep certain things, just certain things don't even just come on my radar no more. My main, my biggest problem every day is what am I going to eat? Like really, (laughs) you know, amazing for it to have taken this long. Can you imagine I'm about to be 42 and just it took me 42 years to get here. Right. But my children will have the benefit of having this lifestyle and having this attitude way before. So somebody got to be the one to break the generational curses. Clearly it's going to be me. Challenge accepted. Don't ask me to apologize for it because I'm not. I'm here. I ain't going nowhere and I'm not coming down for anybody. And I love that. And I love that your kids fly private. They have been on yacht. Getting on a yacht is just like, you know, us going to Kings Dominion when we were little. Like they, for them, that's just, the norm. Yeah, my daughter's like, Mom, where is the jacuzzi on this yacht? Like, this is not going to work. I love it. 
I yeah. love it. I love Nobody it. else apologizes for it, you know? Absolutely. So. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, Casey, thank you so much for um, for doing this, for sharing. I knew that it was going to be good. Tell people where can they find you if they want to connect with you. Don't be going up to her in karaoke and in Ruth's career. Please. But if you want to follow her on social media, Casey, tell us where we can find you. I am heavy on social media. So if you Google me, anything The Compass Circle, I'm going to be there. Whether you Google it, um, our website is www.thecompasscircle.com. We are on TikTok, The Compass Circle. We're on YouTube, The Compass Circle. We are on Instagram, The Compass Circle. Um, you cannot miss me. Great. Thank you so much, Casey. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. This was so good, Nikia. All I needed was a cocktail. Thank you. I know, right? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did, remember to hit subscribe and head over to buildyourowntablepodcast.com to stay updated and connected with me. I'm Nikia Gray. I'll see you next time.